Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. In this special edition of the Topple Uncaged podcast, I am joined by Victoria Cheney, mother of Antonia Payne Cheney. In part one, which you can listen to, the link for this is in the show notes, we discussed Antonia's life-changing, chronic debilitating illnesses, her care under the NHS and her mother's last resort, which was to take her to Spain for treatment. So here is part two. Continue listening to Victoria and Antonia's story. said of course is that I'm speaking to you and you're in Barcelona again aren't you because Antonia was going back to see Dr Um, Gillette um, follow-up appointment um, and desperately 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 sad situation she she essentially collapsed on the plane didn't she and you're now in the Barcelona as we speak in the Barcelona intensive care unit um because she's again so ill but the 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 culmination I suppose Victoria of all this is now this point because all these the years of dismissal and the years of abuse and the 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 years of neglect and medical negligence has now culminated in the fact that Antonio and you are in Barcelona she's critically ill but the only option you have to come back to this country is to go back to the John Radcliffe hospital because they put essentially a red flag on your file um saying that she can't, that she's can't really go anywhere else apart from I think they've given you two other options haven't they I mean what what is going on now well I mean the situation was um Antonio as you say collapsed on the airplane um I didn't have any rescue medicines for her because obviously they have stopped to having rescue medications because they're not necessary um apparently um and you know i didn't have the things that i would usually have had for the last seven years looking after antonia um anybody that knows anybody that listening that has looked after antonia anybody any clinician any nurse any doctor knows jolly well that antonia on collapse you need to place a gadel into her mouth because otherwise a green gadel which is uh, um, which opens the airway because antonia's jaw locks and her tongue falls back and it's pretty immediate and that's always been the same since 2012 that apparently is not necessary or wasn't necessary apparently that wasn't necessary it wasn't a necessity for the rescue medications and so i was traveling we were traveling to barcelona we've been in this situation it at home actually it's just the same situation as we've been in for the past year because we were in bear in mind we were in oxford hospital last august and were discharged in september and haven't gone back there since october and have been under many other hospitals and specialists who she sees in london they have retained the control of everything as i said and antonia collapsed on the plane on descent was taken to the local public hospital, who I have to say have been absolutely amazing, phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of understanding of Ellis Danlos here, here as well. I thought it was just in Technon Hospital, you know, obviously because that's a Chiari and hypermobility specialist centre. But actually there's there's a lot of understanding uh, in this hospital as well. She was taken to the IT union, as you, as you say, and she was intubated. And um, she had to be intubated because they couldn't stop the seizures. What caused those seizures? I don't know. It seemed to be pressure. Um, It was a descent coming down. And it was literally she collapsed um, as we were going down, fell forward, and then went into it having a seizure. Mm. Um, She was um, brought out of intubation the next day. And unfortunately, after a few hours, six hours, she was chatting away and then suddenly started seizing again. And her jaw locked. Um, and she was not, they weren't able to get an airway because they didn't have any access down her nasal passage. She doesn't have any access. Mm. And it was, I was there. Um, it was 
very, 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 very serious situation um, in ITU, and they had to intubate her. They managed to intubate her again, um, and she remained intubated, um, well, actually, for two weeks in the end. At about a week, I, um, the insurance company were going to repatriate Antonia back to uh, England, and um, we had requested that she goes to a hospital where she has one of her specialists that look after her. And there were hospital beds available um, in an ITU, level three beds, um, but they were told they could not accept her, that the only, the only place in the country that could accept Antonia was Oxford Hospital, a hospital that she had categorically refused to do, go to continually, had told the GP, had told the CCG, had told the police, had told head of safeguarding, had told head of NHS England, um, had told had had meetings, emails, had written by hand and by email continually since October that she will not go. She has been bullied to do so and been told she would lose care if she didn't go to this centre. Um, but to find herself in a situation where she's um, intubated and I have promised her that I'll, I will never put her in a situation where she's there because her PTSD is so bad that she has flashbacks about what happened there. Um, I'd never do that. You know, obviously I was acting on her wishes. Um, and I can't believe that anywhere can say the only place somebody can go is this one particular hospital, but that's what they said. And indeed that was confirmed. I, I contacted the British Consul. I got the British Consul involved who in, in turn contacted the Department of Health and the South Worcestershire CCD and indeed confirmed to the British Consul that actually there was absolutely no choice and she had to go to Oxford um, and that was where she was to go. Where we find ourselves now, they kept her, I believe there was a bed waiting for her and, and the, and the um, insurance company had actually said they could sort out a plane. They needed to, they needed to keep Antonia intubated because her airway was so unstable that they were, to explain, she has to have, um, for intubation, she has to have a fibroscope to intubate. So it's not a straightforward situation. And the consultant overseeing her was telling me that it was so difficult that they didn't want to travel her home without her being intubated because if she had a seizure in the air or indeed on the road or, you know, if we went by ambulance on the road and she had a seizure, she they wouldn't be able to get a fibroscope it wouldn't be straightforward and she wouldn't survive. Mm. And actually, that's the situation we have been dealing with continually for the last um, years, really. Yeah. Um, but obviously, since she's had surgery, um, she has she had a difficult airway anyway, and she has a difficult airway card from um, Dr. Gillette in Barcelona. And um, this hadn't been highlighted by the teams mm. in her care plans. Um, but obviously, they were saying to me had we talked about a tracheostomy before and no we hadn't um but actually they have ended up that they've had to do a tracheostomy for antonia because they couldn't um she wasn't breathing on her own and and um they needed that she'd been intubated for a fortnight and there was no sign of her going back home during that fortnight because nobody would agree to her going to anywhere else in, in any other hospital um and so they took the next step, which they would have they would have done with their patients anyway, which was to do a tracheostomy, which has actually allowed her to have a safe airway, which mm. is wonderful in one sense and horrible, you know, horrific in another. So yeah. she is doing very well now. They have brought her out of being intubated. She is breathing on her own. She is um, getting stronger. They have been absolutely brilliant here, and they're starting to look at nutrition and all the other aspects. Um, but um, it ha it was last before this weekend. They they actually I was actually informed that they had said we could go to other hospital uh, to other hospitals. Well, I actually suggested two hospitals in London um, that that might be suitable. Um, one who's just employed the first EGS nurse, I believe, in yes. the world, <laughs> which is ironic. Mm. Um, but also who have the neurospinal surgeon there. So I thought that was most appropriate. Mm. And the other one where Antonia has her um, cardio, neurocardio um, consultant and who's been overseeing her for since 2014. Because this is the irony. She's been covered by these consultants, at all these different hospitals, um, in mainly in London. Um but it's not like she isn't. She doesn't go to these other hospitals. It's it's all very well saying she's she has to go to a hospital where 
they haven't got consultants that oversee hearing specialists, mm. but actually she's got the specialists elsewhere. Um, I haven't heard anything from anybody since last Thursday, so we're a week on. Mm. Um, Antonia needs to go home at some point. Um, we are getting superb care with in, in Spain, and the critical care unit are looking after her beautifully, um, and she's having physio and building her strength. Um, but she does need to go home, and she does need to go home, and things need to change for her, not just because of her, the physical impact, but the mental impact on Antonia has been horrific. Mm. You know, when you're treated like that, and, and myself as well, um, it's just it's just not right. It's just, you know, she's a 22-year-old young lady who the majority of society, the people that watch Antonia, really respect her, yeah. see what she's trying to achieve, see that she's trying to live within her illness. You, you've got a situation where... The Saturday before we ended, we were in Barcelona where she was intubated. On the Friday, she had um, become national champion for cheerleading for the Paris stunt cheerleading. Um, she's worked really, really hard at getting back to some sort of sport and has been amazing. And people have looked at that and gone, wow, how can she do that if she's so poorly? Um, and then on the Saturday, had gone down to beach for the first time in seven years with her teammates. And she wanted to put her feet into the water and they helped her walk to the water. And then she collapsed mm. um, on the beach and was taken to the hospital. Um, whereupon they, they stopped her seizure and they rang the local hospital who said, oh, don't worry, it's fabricated and induced illness. So this is what we're dealing with, you know, and four days later, my question is, um, is she's been intubated, she's got a tracheostomy now. You know, the experts that have been dealing with her, uh, are they wrong? No, exactly. You I mean, know? it's just mind blowing. I, I, I mean, to... So you've, I, I know what hospitals you've obviously um, been offered, and you're quite right when you say there are people in both these hospitals which are which are experts in in their fields in relation to a lot of what Antonia's living with, and and who who obviously you know anyway, which would be ideal. I mean, but if I mean if you do. If communication re, um, resumes with John Radcliffe in Oxford, um, and you have a sort of, you can go to one of these hospitals. What what challenges and what problems are still there going to be in trying to get her home? And also, when you do get her home, because just uh, my point being that by okay, so you're not going to take her to John Radcliffe. They've said you can take her to A or B. Um, if you take her to A or B, that's not a permanent measure, though. Still, is it? Obviously. No, and that needs to be resolved. I would hope that um, the NHS would find compassion and look at what's happening for the benefit of Antonia. I can't think that they wanted her to die. Mm. Um, well, like you know, I don't want to think that, but no. I have to say, if you take everyone's you take someone's protocols away, which protect their airway. Uh, and you take away known protocols that have always protected their airway and you are willing to take that protocol away because somebody has complained that you've been given us that she's got aspirated pneumonia, then I'm not sure what lengths people will go to. But I hope that, you know, they've they, the, the hospital in question has telephoned here and said, you know, Antonia can eat and drink normally. Yeah. It's absolutely crackers. The same hospital said she should have fruit. You know, anybody who knows anything oh, about gastroparesis, they me gave this. her fruit, which is why she got aspirated pneumonia. It's just, uh, that, know, that would like just, to sorry to, in fruit, that's how she got it. I have to interrupt. That was one of the most mind blowing things that I think, in all the conversations we've now had, that you said to me, because anyone who understands anything about gastroparesis understands that the last thing you give to someone with severe, chronic, and potentially life threatening digestive problems is something that's going to ferment in their gut. It's just my, I could not believe it when you told me that my literally I, I, it was staggering sorry well it was it was like I mean with Antonia's stomach as I've said to you she's tried really hard to be to eat and drink more recently I mean really really prior to her being poorly she's still had massive pain from her stomach she's aspirated desperately to, mm. when he's got full but Antonia's stomach has a bit like a plastic bag it fills up and fills and fills up and then if you leave it and you clamp it which you know they were saying you know must clamp it you mustn't aspirate actually what you must 
must do is try and have as much as you can and then she's always had to aspirate once it before it explodes mm. um this was like this was like building hooch yeah. you know it was just fermenting and then literally she was sick and which which she said would happen uh, she had warned them may happen because when you've lived with the history i think the problem is you're a professional patient aren't you yeah. you you you're there you're telling people that don't want you to tell them the doctors don't want you to be they do what some do want you to be knowledgeable and that's not fair for me to say they don't want you to be knowledgeable but actually it 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 has become often you're the patient you be quiet we will tell you what we're doing and this is what we're doing to you. And actually she owns her own body. Yeah. Um, and actually she knows what risks she puts herself at. She doesn't want aspirated pneumonia. She didn't want aspirated pneumonia with two ribs having just been taken out. Certainly mm. um, it wasn't the, the ideal thing to happen, but the situation now for somebody to ring here or any other hospital and say, Antonia can eat and drink normally is actually ridiculous. Mm. She will attempt to eat um, food and put and try to keep her nutrition good because nobody has been trying to uh, it's not entirely fair actually that nobody has been trying to support her there has been a, a, a nutrition consultant involved that has been trying to be very supportive actually mm. and has asked for her to be referred to a hospital appropriate to her and supported that but he was also ignored um, but we we run the risk of when we come home what is it any different are they still actually in control mm. is that going to be allowed to happen is antonia a prisoner to the system because that's how it feels you will do this patient choice has been thrown out the window the, the alerts and things are absolute nonsense and i'm happy to challenge anyone if they give me the notes and i've got all the evidence as well you know i'm happy to sit down and go through everything either um legally or otherwise um but it's it has to stop mm. you know for not just for antonio but for other people who are suffering in the same way because of stepping outside of what what they were meant to do but when you know when you've got nhs consultants asking for things to happen and then it's being blocked that's that has to be wrong mm. and why do i think it's happening is because um antonia's a hot potato her case i suppose now it's it's you know it's literally um it things have mistakes have been made things have happened and the legal teams are running the show I think I, I think you're right with that, um, and I and I can I completely agree as you as you so erudely put. She is a hot potato. Feel free to go and grab yourself a tea, coffee, water, or any other liquid refreshment you want, because we're going to take a short break. But me and Victoria will be back in a few minutes. I think it's hard for me um, with my suspicious brain because I do have a suspicious brain about most things. It's hard for me to also think that there's not something deeper going on here because you're not. This is not the first time I've heard a story like this. I've heard it so many times now, and it's almost as if everything surrounding Elos Danlos, because of the implications with regards to the cervical junction, um, it's almost as if there is a concerted systematic effort to sort of neutralize patients almost who are pushing pushing the frontiers if you like of mainstream NHS medical knowledge in this country and I think it's a lot of it unfortunately comes back down to money because f for example to be able to um, diagnose craniocervical antiaxial instability you have to have an upright MRI scan it can't be done via normal MRI and these machines cost I don't know how much actually but there must be hundreds of thousands of pounds there's only I think four or five of these machines in the actual country I know for a fact I had it from a senior um, neurologist um, a neurosurgeon who is at the forefront of craniocervical and atlantoaxial instability he told me that him and a group of neurosurgeons approached the government in 2011 telling them that they needed to get upright MRI centers across the NHS because of the number of CCI AI cases that were coming and the government ignored them completely I think there's elements of cost involved I think there's elements of um, negligence involved in terms of that there are so many people living with Elos Danlos who are also 
misdiagnosed in the first place with other illnesses like fibromyalgia that haven't even got an EDS diagnosis, let alone a CCIAI diagnosis. I think there's a huge, huge, huge can of worms involved with connective tissue orders. And I think the system within the NHS and other government agencies are so aware of this that Antonia is one hot potato of a full tray of scorching roasted potatoes, which they're desperately (laughs) trying to pour water over, in my opinion. Oh, no, I'd, I'd agree. I, I think there's a much bigger picture going on. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't, you know, we talk about cost, but I, you know, I look at like, the cost. One of the consultants wrote about the cost of, of Antonia and admissions to hospital, mm. you know, with these six emergency admissions. Antonia was in hospital for three and a half years mm. in tertiary centres in the main. Um, the cost of that in itself, and these patients that have these the symptomology mm. that happens as a result of CCISI, brain compression, spinal fusion, of um, tethered cord, etc. Mm. The cost of that is huge. You know, if you mm. do, I think Antonia had this uh, um, when she was 14. I don't. I really don't know. Mm. I don't know. I know she had the Ellis Danlos, but was it that? it was this in the first place that was causing the issues and it got worse and worse and worse. Was it the, you know, the instability in the neck, the spine? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I do know that they were looking at it at that time of doing upright MRI scans. I do know that um, the symptomology fitted with her straight away at that stage. Mm. And I think, you know, the cost that you talk about is absolutely right. But the cost of being an inpatient and the cost actually of the impact on somebody's life, um, you know, a young lady or young man being in hospital for so long and backwards and forwards and going to clinicians and, and people dismissing you and saying it's not real and you're not really in pain and all the other things that go on. Mm. It's like um, legalized torture. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other and, way of putting it. That's that's how watching it has been. It, I mean, my son described it as that. It literally, she has been tortured um, through through this journey, and none more so than the impact of you know feeling like people are able to label you, people are allowed to defame your character. You know, one thing I say is Antonia's absolutely amazing as a as a young lady that keeps bouncing back from all the things she has to deal with and keeps striving forward to want to achieve want to be take up her place in society want to work you know what does she want what would she say she really wants she would she wants to be able to go back to her home mm. go and do her cheerleading be as well as possible possible to have her symptoms managed in a way she knows have worked without somebody telling her what does or doesn't work when they haven't lived that life mm. um and to to you know she she's not expecting a perfect life uh, you know without illness because obviously who knows what's around the corner but she just wants to make the most of it but without she doesn't want to be bullied anymore yeah no you know she doesn't i don't want to watch her bullied anymore i don't want to be bullied anymore i don't want somebody making up that you know oh she's got fabricated induced illness at a at a drop of a hat what because they've overdosed her that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't want social services anymore to be able to turn around and say, well, we can't, ha-, when she begs them for help over the last three years, well, we can't help you because it's a difference of clinical opinion. And then for the hospitals to turn around and say, oh, it's county social services that need to be dealing with this. I don't want the head of NHS England to be, uh, who say that, you know, NHS England say safeguarding is everybody's business. But it's not everybody's business when it's the NHS you're asking for your your a loved one to be safeguarded against it's actually nobody's business if i've asked you know what what i'd like i'd like an independent inquiry done into antonia's situation i'd like the whole thing written out on a table from 2012 and then to look at exactly what has happened to her and how it's been allowed to happen there have been some amazing clinicians that have looked after antonia absolutely phenomenal young doctors consultants nurses who've given up so many hours, time, shown empathy, care on the NHS. So this isn't about NHS bashing and saying, oh, the NHS are horrific. There is a problem with chronic illness often. I know there's a a money issue. Obviously, there is linked to it. 
but at what point did the NHS stop caring? Mm. And that isn't, you know, it, it, it's it's ridiculous to think that she feels she's being abused by by the very people that should be caring for her. And it isn't that's not that's not in her head. I've witnessed the things. I've been there. And I know they don't want me to be there. I know they don't want me to be her carer. I know they don't want me in hospital because then I see what happens. And I've been in a very fortunate, I guess, position of being on a fly on, a fly on the wall. So I've seen the good and the bad. And I know things go wrong and every, people make mistakes. I, I don't have a problem with mistakes. People are human. I have a problem with people covering up. Mm. And I have a problem with them not being open about what is actually going on and at the moment we've got a problem because i'm in barcelona and we can't get home <laughs> so yeah. this situation has to be solved you know no absolutely there's something i just want to go in um on a bit more detail on victoria um and it's these it's these two flags if you like that have been put against antonia's name um, we kind of touched on them earlier but i just, I, think, I think it's important and i know you think it's important to explain this in a bit more detail essentially there's two flags by the nhs been put against the name one is of that of a drug seeker absolutely preposterous as we said earlier and one is of course the situation where um oxford university trusts hospitals are saying that she can only come back to the John Radcliffe Hospital. I mean, just going on a bit more detail on those, what exactly is the deal with both of those flags against Antonio? Well, well, of course, as you say, it is entirely unethical for Antonia, with all her acute issues, to have a picture painted of her as a drug seeker. Mm. Um, by putting this flag on her name, is actually obviously defamation of character. And it's not only a complete lie, but it also leads people to treat her with complete disdain, to miss things, to fail to address issues, and for Tony to be terrified of saying, for example, she's in pain, out of fear of it being used against her, which it has been in the past. And I mean, nobody actually can tell me that that is not the case, because I'm there and I see how people treat Antonia and myself um, once they've read this flag. And for, for Tonya to have um, really have had things like the flag also goes to the point where I can't be there and she's had... Um, attempts for her reasonable adjustments for her PTSD to be taken away from her and um, from me to be staying with her so not only are they then saying she's a drug seeker but me I'm not allowed to stay with her then they say as her carer and that's just appalling yeah. because it's it's pulling at um, putting her at huge risk and Antonia needs someone she can trust with her and unfortunately medics have taught her that not all of them are trustworthy okay albeit a very small number but if your experience is that um, medical professionals have broken informed consent and have gone back on what they've said and your word doesn't matter, then obviously you're at huge risk. So she's on a back foot already when she goes in. And also the the way that I'm treated as well with that alert is, I mean, I've worked tirelessly having been fully trained in hospitals and at home with central lines and administered medicines into her central line, doing shift after shift actually in hospital and only to be treated myself with um, contempt. Mm. Why? Because I think I've seen too much, and once I've been there and the complaint has been in, they don't want me there anymore. Um, the alert has been that we are going to hospital for Antonia to seek medicines and seek drugs. Actually, the actual situation is I've sought medical help when Antonia has collapsed, more recently, because previous protocols, as we've talked about, have been taken away, mm. including medications for her seizures. And her life's been left at risk at that point from either sepsis or her airway blocking. And and now that's obviously been very clearly seen by where we are in Barcelona and having had a tracheostomy. But Tony's had to go into hospital. It's not for want of going into hospital. She's had to go into hospital to seek emergency care for life-saving treatment. Um, not to seek drugs. And an example of that is as an infection that had been isolated and unbelievably it was refused to be treated locally despite consultants further afield asking for that to be done. Mm. And what are we actually meant to do at that point? The only thing we can do appropriately and for her safety is to take her to a medical institution for that to be dealt with so she can be cared for. Um, the, the, the knock-on effect of that alert is that professionals treat Antonia entirely differently as a result of this. Well, I'm, it's absolutely outrageous um, sort of a depiction of her in the form of the alert. Um, we have asked for it to be removed. Antonia wrote to um, the CCG 
NHS England, head of NHS England, who stated that it was CCG that put the alert on. The CCG said it wasn't them that put the alert on. Um, It seemed to go round and round in circles, and the safeguarding officer said it was nothing to do with him and, and highlighted other people. When we had a meeting with them more recently, Antonia actually asked the question, why is that alert still on? Because she'd asked to be present at a review meeting, which they failed to do. And the representative from the CCG basically stated that it had been left on as she was a complex case. And as Antonia rightly pointed out to them, was with her mouth open, well, isn't that disability discrimination? So Mm -hmm. you're having alert on there to prevent me going anywhere, um, taking away patient choice and all my human rights to um, share data and do whatever you want and say I'm a drug seeker because I've got a complex illness. Um, And I guess that explanation would be fine if the care provider that they were telling us that we had to go to um, in the alert was that had actually put together an an MDT, Mm. you know, of clinical experts, because there was two parts to the alert, was that she was a drug seeker, that was wanted to be taken off, and that she had to go to Oxford Hospital, John Radcliffe Hospital. And... um, you know, it seems a plausible answer that they are saying, well, we're trying to have a continuity of care um, in order for you to contact that um, care provider. But actually, the reality is they never did put together an MDT of clinical experts with knowledge of Antonia's conditions who knew her and had assessed her. Um, despite having been asked continually, she never actually was repatriated, as they called it, that she had to be done appropriately with the full MDT. Um, and it was ludicrous, really, that they were saying that she needed to go, had to go back there. It would, you know, the alert saying she's going into hospital seeking drugs would have been the same as in the present situation would be saying when Antonia collapsed on the plane and was taken by paramedics to the local hospital, it would be like saying that um, she was going to the hospital there because she was seeking drugs. Mm. You know, that's that's yeah. the same as it was in England. And that was happening in England before, because actually at a previous tertiary centre in November when she'd been intubated, that's exactly what was said. Um, the alert was actually put more on me. They, they, um, they tried to say that I had said that Antonia was on IV medications, which was ridiculous because... Uh, she didn't have a central line at the time, so she couldn't have possibly been on IV medications. What I actually said was she'd been on intravenous medications for five years and that she had declined, her health had declined since she'd been abruptly taken off them, um, was being sick continually, and that actually she wasn't able to absorb any of her medications. She'd come very ill, and that's why I thought she was ill. Hmm. Having put the alert on, social services, ironically, did an assessment. They dropped the safeguarding alert immediately, um, but they ironically investigated an alert on me as her carer. Just they won't do that on medical practitioners when you are reporting abuse, bullying, harassment and neglect because it's a difference of clinical opinion. So, um, you know, it, it it's a really big issue, Steve, to be honest. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's huge. And the second flag really goes against her expressed wishes and her human rights, her patient rights. Um, After reporting situations to the police and to her GP as well and the CCG, social services and everyone else, she stated she couldn't go back to John Radcliffe Hospital and that she wished them to cease being her care providers. And she further stated in writing that she wished them to have no data on her or information. The CCG and MDT refused this. And the alert basically then says that immediately the Antonio, that Antonia contacts for medical help, be that through A&E or paramedics, the um, specific clinician who Antonia has um, levelled complaints at should be contacted. And, and she'd reported significant mental and physical harm mm. to herself. Um, and the answer for the trust of that is that most recently that was this was again for consistency in complex case and, and that that's why they had put that on. That was a couple of weeks ago they wrote that to me. Um, but what it actually amounts to is having been had pre- prevention of any access to other assessment centres. Um, she's under three other experts, NHS consultants across the country, at other tertiary centres, so it doesn't make sense. It has to be there. And she's had requests from three other NHS clinicians for alternative provisions, Um, people that we've had to go to privately who've highlighted the need for her to have urgent NHS referral to themselves at Mm. appropriate centres. 
So it doesn't make sense for that centre to be the person, um, John Radcliffe Hospital, to be the place that's controlling her. And the other major thing is, and I'm not sure if listeners understand wholly the effect and impact of post-traumatic stress disorder. I certainly didn't Mm. and probably don't now because I'm not suffering from it. But if every time you seek medical help, you're confronted by unknowingly a caring medical professional speaking words that I'm going, we're contacting this particular person, this particular trust that will immediately terrify you and, and trigger your PTSD. You can't escape that professional even when you're in Spain, actually, it seems, um, because they follow you everywhere, dictate your care, prevent you from doing anything, share wrong medical information, and then put you at major risk. You're in, you're actually living in a, a living nightmare, really. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's institutional bullying. I mean, that's how I've sort of phrased it, but it's institutional bullying at its worst. And so that is what the alerts amount to, really. They may seem straightforward. They may seem simple. The first one of her being a drug seeker is a complete and utter lie, mm. um, and it doesn't stand up at all. And the second one is just cruel and also ineffectual in getting her the best outcomes for her care. No, absolutely. And I, 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 do you know what? You touched on a really important point there, which this is for another, this is for another show. Um, but there's a lot to be said and there's very little recognition of PTSD in terms of the medical profession and, and people living with that after having, having appalling care. I'm sure Nicola won't mind me saying that um, she, she was told by a lawyer many years ago after she was um, sectioned under the Mental Health Act um, because she was saying she was unwell and no one was helping her. They section because they thought she was fabricating it um that the lawyer she saw immediately said to her i think you've got post-traumatic stress disorder from the abuse that you've received from medical professions and government agencies now that like i say is for another podcast but i think i think there's a whole issue there which is very very underreported i have to say yeah absolutely and it's such a difficult condition to deal with mm. um you know antonia's had people say to her well you you don't you can't have post traumatic stress disorder. This is in hospital because you haven't been to war. That's a you know there is a complete lack of understanding, and actually how disabling post traumatic mm. stress disorder is in itself. It actually isn't post traumatic stress disorder. It's traumatic stress disorder because you are revisiting the trauma every time mm. that somebody behaves like that towards you. Um, but when it's diagnosed as a result of hospital stress, then what is asked for is for the institutions to recognize and put in reasonable adjustments to take away those reasonable adjustments is actually illegal Mm. obviously you're not supposed to do it but that doesn't help at the time Mm. when you're having arguments uh, um, about about what what is and what isn't so yeah yeah, I think um, Um, how do you keep going because I I know sitting here now If you do need to have a break at this point in the episode, then now's the time to do it. Because me and Victoria will be back with some more chat in just a few minutes. We're recording this on Wednesday the 7th of August and we said off air, you said to me, oh, you must be exhausted because I've had a bit of a day this end. Um, Nicola, Nicola, obviously, as we discussed, lives with the, this very similar things to Antonia, not to the, the, the severity um, I'm blessed that, um, unfortunately, you're experiencing. But Nicola lives with very similar things. Um, as many people know, we've had a bit of a panic at the minute because we think, we think she's got a cerebral spinal fluid leak, which the NHS is just dismissing as sinusitis. Um, and uh, all sorts of other stuff and it's it's exhausting it is exhausting not least battling her illness all the time it's exhausting constantly fighting medical professionals and trying to find sympathetic and understanding medical professionals it's exhausting researching all the time it's exhausting battling the department for work and pensions to try and prove to them that she should be entitled to some money um and nicola we as i say we're blessed by the fact that we're in our home and she's not comatosed in a hospital in some respects I mean, how how have you kept going? Because the story is just—it's horrific, and I could. And the thing is, it's a, it's more horrific for me because I completely, I can completely see this situation. I can c- completely understand this situation, and I know Nicola is one car accident away from being in that position. 
do you know what I mean and so yeah I mean yeah. how do you how do you how have you done this well you don't really uh, you know you don't have a choice is the answer really isn't it mm. uh, in, <laughs> in the situation you you um, are thrown uh, a journey and you go along it mm. and and also you know it's Antonia. I mean, this is why I'm so angry, really, with what is being said and how she's being treated, because she is one amazing young lady. Uh, she can cope with her illness. She's lived with it. She's been impatient for most of her adolescent years. She can cope with um, battling decline and fighting sepsis time and time again and jumping back. She's got something in her, Antonia, which is a spirit which baffles me. You know, I mean, she's come out of this with a tracheostomy. I was really worried when when she was having her tracheostomy because we discuss everything, but we hadn't discussed a tracheostomy. Now, I didn't have a choice for her to have a tracheostomy, you understand, because it was the clinicians that made that choice. But they talked to me and they wanted me to consent for it etc and I was really worried and as she does she sort of came out of being intubated and talked to her about it and and she was that's okay you know she it was the next thing she'd got to deal with and she's dealing with not being able to speak at the moment um, and she's doing it with a great big smile on her face um, because people are being kind to her and there's empathy and you know she's that she hasn't she doesn't feel anybody's having go at her or whatever she's not she's she's she springs back mm. and she wants to live and you know she's my daughter and I will do whatever I have to do for my children in order to try and keep them safe that's what we're meant to do isn't a family and loved one but mm. also it's what you want to do um but it's not easy and I understand with anybody that's going through it, 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 it's not easy. You become a bit of a robot, really. And you just um, go through the motions day by day and day by day. And all we can do is step by step. I've seen huge improvements for Antonia. I've got huge hope, which is why I'm so disappointed in what's happening. Because, you know, from going from where she was to what she's able to achieve now, you know, Antonia can sit up uh, in a normal car seat. Um, at times she she started to sit up in a sports wheelchair and she's you know won a national competition just pure pure through pure dedication of working hard to get back to something she is particularly passionate about you know she she's booked on to do an open university course in September and she's got hope for her future and what she wants to do so we've got to just keep fighting and try to get her as well as possible for as long as possible you know as you know Steve this this illness is progressive you know she's still got the tethered cord that needs to be looked at she's still got the scans we were meant to have done which we haven't been able to have done um, so we've still got lots of steps so we can't stop keeping going we just got to crack on and actually that's not me that's suffering is it I'm not the one that's ill if she can do it then blimey <laughs> I haven't got much to complain about really and you know what that's the conclusion I always draw because however hard it is there's there's two things that do keep me going and it's firstly that if I think I've got it tough I'm not the one who's chronically ill um, and, and do you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm in fairly perfect health, and therefore um, it is me, it's my job and my responsibility to keep going. But moreover, it's with Nicola. It's uh, I see the potential of what she could do with her life there. I I, I yeah. see exactly who she could be and what she could give to the world and what the world could get from her Benefit. as yeah. being a fully functioning in as best health as possible human being I see so much potential in her and that's what keeps yeah. me going that fight to know that I will together with you get you to the point where you can start living your life to the full potential not have any more of this shit ever again and that's that's what keeps me going well I think that's right and I think that you know, if if more people felt confident to fight the system, you know, there's a huge terror out there mm. as well, Steve, isn't there, that yeah. people will not confront because of the, I've touched on it. You know, you complain, you lose care and you do. And I don't care what anybody says to me. They say, oh, no, complaints are taken in a positive way and we want to better ourselves. No, when I've complained, we have been treated like a piece of dirt. And that's it. Um, that's the bottom line. And so, you know, I've spoken to lots of people who've had surgery or whatever and they are terrified to complain because what little care they've got 
if they've got they don't want to lose that and it shouldn't be like that you know I know it's I know it's a challenge um, to help people who've got a, a, an illness which is misunderstood or misdiagnosed or not understood at all but actually you know maybe everyone has to club to come together and shout a little bit I don't know yeah. I mean I don't know what me standing for up now will do you know what will that do what do I want to happen I'd like us to have passage back where you know we're in Barcelona now we've been here four weeks will they follow what this team here have said mm. if if is what happened last year happens I mean they said they wouldn't follow the private hospital will they not follow this because this is a hospital in Barcelona yes it's public but it's Barcelona do they have to follow what they've said mm. potentially not mm that's what we could be facing coming back and saying right well that was a load of rubbish so now we'll start back where you were yeah no absolutely. you're back in england you know i that's exactly what we were told last year we were literally told well you're back in england now so you'll follow our care plan yeah and um, that was how it was so you know yeah. that's that's frightening isn't it it is very very frightening I mean, we, we've touched on so much and I think we, we could have probably, um, we, well, we've chatted for a long time anyway. We've probably gone and could have gone on for hours, hours more with this. I mean, just to just kind of sum up, really, um, because as we've pointed out throughout this, this is about Antonian and it's, and it's about you and it's about the unnecessary and totally unwarranted battles you've had to fight just to get the care and support your daughter should be entitled to anyway um, but Antonia is one of potentially in my opinion thousands and thousands and thousands hundreds of thousands maybe of people in this country who who are living with these conditions who sometimes don't even know it and and or other times know it but cannot get the support they need I mean how how are we going to start ending this the, firstly, there's a stigma surrounding chronic illnesses like Ehlers Danlos syndrome that a lot of the time it's in people's heads. It's not real. They look fine when we see them walking to the shop. We, we, there's nothing wrong with them. Blah blah blah. How how do we begin to end this and uh, and get more of an understanding, especially within the medical profession, of just just how serious these illnesses are? What what in your mind is the first step when you've got Antonia home and when her correct care plan is in place? and when she's well on the mend and when she's fighting fit and when she's ready to stand by your side and fight with you on this, what do you, what's the first thing that needs to be done, do you think? Okay, yes, yeah, so um, I think one of the keys will be for people to be following um, what Nicola, Baroness Nicola Blackwood talked about when she made her announcement um, earlier this year that with the Genomes Project and dealings with rare diseases that an expert would be allocated to each patient in order that they had somebody overseeing them who was experts. You couldn't fall into this position where you actually are dealing with people who haven't got any understanding whatsoever, but also that then are they then going to um, oversee with all the other experts mm. as well? Your challenge will be then, does the CCG, the commissioning group, the, the funds behind it agree with that? Or are they going to still say it's all best served locally? Um, that'll all have to tie together. I don't know politically how that's been done. But it seems to me that with the situation with Antonia, she had experts overseeing. And then along the line, it went back to local. And then somehow that expertise is allowed to be peeled away. Um, I think that... Um, in order to get the care that's needed, um, there has to be an understanding that actually patients who are human beings um, can live their, want to live their life to the best of their ability. And that often means that somebody is suffering with a long-term illness. It is part of them, but it isn't all of them. And they want to do the best they can do um, each day. You know, if Antonia does something uh, maybe because she's able to get up and she'll do something in an afternoon. She may have had to prepare for that for three days to be able to do that. The pe people, even family, friends, they don't see that. They don't see what goes into making somebody be able to do something. But that doesn't mean there's not a will to do it. And I think the challenge is always going to be is why should somebody that's really ill have to show they're really ill all the time for them to be believed they're really ill? if you know what I mean, that sounds silly, but um, if they're then doing something, they're able to, for example, Antonia doing her, her cheerleading, absolutely amazing 
but amazing because she has strived to do that and work really hard. The knock-on effect of that is, you know, she was wiped out for a few days, you mm. know, or, or when she's training and things. And those around her see what's happening, but those that just see the highlights. And, of course, you, I know many, many, many people with um, illnesses who don't want to be showing their personal the personal illness, mm. you know, publicly. They want to just be able to be um, as well as they can, in, you know, and, and take their place in society. But I think it will always be a challenge to get professionals and society to recognize um recognize the illnesses and i don't know how you overcome that i think it might might well be but i i, th I think victoria with people like you speaking out in in such an erudite eloquent and such a passionate but also um correct correct manner i think it's it's hopefully the start of 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 things changing because i mean it it it's mind-blowing what Antonio and you have been through it's absolutely absolutely shocking and I can only imagine part of it I can understand most of it but I can't even begin to put myself in your position it's 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 so it's so unbelievable but also I mean just speaking to you at length as we have this week you're so wonderful and you are so 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 um just defiant which i love as well you literally will not put up with what they are doing to you and many many people will have would have killed over by now but you you still keep going and that's such a testament to you but it's also a testament to antonia that she's such obviously such a wonderful person that she drives you to keep keep going like this it, it's in some respects it's a, it's almost a wonderful story um to hear especially for someone who is living and surrounded by this illness all the time it it's very it's very emotional but it's it's also very um it it creates a sense of um almost forward motion in myself hearing you speak and and hearing yours and antonio's story and your situation it, it i don't like the word inspire i find it rather insipid to use another <laughs> i word but i but there isn't another adjective really apart from inspire because it 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 does it it it, it it's um but they Carry there on. is a lot of hope in all this. Mm. There is a lot of hope, isn't there? You know, I, I always reflect, um, and maybe this isn't the right thing to say, I don't know, but, you know, illnesses through the years have been misunderstood. You know, it's like uh, people will say, oh, well, it can't be seizures because it's not epilepsy. Well, epilepsy was given its name as seizure because they believed people were seized by the devil originally, didn't they? Yes. So, you know, actually, we've come a long way since then. We've come a long way since an understanding of MS, MS and all the other things that were put down to being irrelevant or not being accepted. And so we're very early in the stages, aren't we, of understanding of this particular illness. And so I have no issue with clinicians not getting it. And, and I just hope that by them opening their ears, really, opening their eyes and listening to patients. I would, I would hope that they would start to listen. I would love somebody to take Antonia's case, maybe Nick, Baroness Nicola Blackwood, take Antonia's case as part of the genomics project, but as part of looking at the rare disease and how to deal with it, and looking at the mistakes that perhaps have been made in her case. I'm sure everybody went into the NHS and went into caring profession because they care originally. Delighted at that as an outcome. No, absolutely. I, th I think you, that's a brilliant summing up of the situation, and and I think that's what what we can hope for in the in the sort of medium to long term. Absolutely, I mean. Victoria, I do. I wish you all the best. I know we're, we're going to be. We'll be speaking tomorrow. I'm sure. Anyway, um, about about various things, and I would love you um, officially to come back on in maybe sort of towards the end of this year to to give listeners and myself an update of what's gone on since we've spoken now with Antonia and where she's at and how things yeah. are progressing. So that was brilliant. Well, actually, let's hope she'll be able to do that herself. Oh, well, there we go. You know, I, I was concerned about this because I want to represent her views in the right mm. way, you know, and actually she said, oh, it'll be fine. But it's hard, isn't it? When yeah. <laughs> no, it is. not able to talk to you. 
It is very, very difficult. That would be even better. There we go. At the end of the year, Antonia can come on as well and we can we can have another Perfect. chat and another another update. But Victoria, you're amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me because I know how difficult things are for you at the minute. So I do really, really appreciate it. And um, please, please give mine and Nicola's love to Antonia and Nicola and myself send our love to you as well. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Will do. Thank you. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. I really must once again extend my thanks to Victoria Cheney. That was an absolutely incredible episode of this podcast. Um, Much love to Antonia as well. I am actually, I'm recording this just after doing the interview and I am still lost for words. It is such such a staggering story um, but much love to both of them details of Antonia and Victoria's story will be in the show notes as will all the links to their social media you can find out more about Elos Danlos syndromes craniocervical and atlantoaxial instabilities as well as always I'd like to thank the people that made this podcast possible Nicola Jeffrey, my gorgeous girlfriend make sure you follow her on Twitter it's at Nicola C Jeffrey. my sound engineer the fantastic Gav Paws follow him on Twitter it's at Paws with a Z radio and my in-house singer who does all my vocal work for me it's Ray Star Music you can follow her on Twitter it's at Ray underscore Scar 113 thank you to the Canary for uncaging me and for allowing me to do these podcasts I will see you again very soon okay